0: amen. So just for fun, I did an internet search the other day on who the bravest person in the world is. And I assumed that I would get a lot of lists with a bunch of names on it, but the first name that popped up, was also the name that popped up on a lot of the lists, was the name Renolf Fiennes. Renolf Fines In 1984, Renolf Fiennes was declared the greatest living explorer by Guinness World Records. To my knowledge, he has not let go of that title ever since, probably because he hasn't slowed down in all of his wild feats. Let me share those with you. Just just a few of the adventures of Renolf Fiennes over the years include these. He made the long and dangerous journey by land and sea to reach the South Pole. As soon as he got there, he immediately traveled all the way to the North Pole. He completed the first unsupported journey across the Antarctic. He was one of the leaders of a team that discovered the lost trading city of Ubar in Arabia. He was one of the first to ever run seven marathons in seven consecutive days on all seven continents. He reached the summit of Mount Everest when he was 65 years old. At age 71, he ran the Marathon des Sables, which is considered the toughest foot race on earth. It covers 156 miles. He did that when he was 71. These are just a few of the wild things that he has done. In fact, you would think a man like this, he doesn't have any fears at all. But in one of his own books that he wrote, he mentions that in the past he had a pretty big fear of spiders, he's actually not a big fan of heights, which is strange for someone who summited Mount Everest. But don't start thinking that Renal finds is not tough. Back 20 years ago, when he was journeying through the Arctic, he contracted frostbite on one of his hands. He was told that several of his fingers would need to be amputated, but instead of waiting months for the procedure, he went home and amputated them himself. Renal finds is a lot of things, and among them, he is brave. He's bold. He's undaunted by the challenges in front of him. And this morning, we're going to look at the story of another man who, in my opinion, can be described the same way. And that man, his name was Caleb. Now, Caleb's story is going to bring us to the book of Joshua that we have been studying together for quite a while now, but we need to to start at the beginning of his story. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 116, page 116, Numbers chapter 13. You know... I don't know where Renal finds courage and boldness comes from, but I am certain of where Caleb's came from. I think we're going to see that as we look at his story, and I believe his story will challenge us as followers of Jesus Christ to ask, how big is our God? As I mentioned, his story in Scripture begins here in Numbers 13. In fact, several times during our study in the book of Joshua, I have mentioned about when Moses sent spies into the promised land. That's what we're about to take a look at here together. Now we're going to jump around a little bit, so be sure to follow along. We're going to start in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And then it gives a list of those individuals. And among them, we find Joshua and then a young man from the tribe of Judah named Caleb. And when Moses sent them into the promised land, he told them to see what it was like. You know, what's what's the land like? What's the soil like? The people, the towns, the cities? Come back and give a report. So they did. The spies went and they explored the land. They came back after 40 days. We're going to pick up in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified, very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The the Amalekites live in the Negev. the, The Hittites, Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites lived near the sea and along the Jordan. You see, in this report, they made it very clear that the land God was giving them was an amazing land. Oh, it flowed with milk and honey. There was an abundance there. It was, it was a good land. There's good pasture there for their, their cattle. There was good. And there was an abundance. But then the report takes this quick turn, and they say, but but, there are enemies there. Oh, there are There are big cities, big people, big armies. That's when Caleb speaks up in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. And you know what? It's true. It's true. Just as the land was filled with good things, it was filled with difficult things. Fortified cities, strong armies, the descendants of Anak, those were giants. These groups of Goliaths were in the land. And ten of the spies looked at all this and they said, there's no way that we can win. Well, Caleb looked at the same things and said, there's no way we can lose. So what what made the difference? How could they look at the same things, but Caleb, Caleb had all this boldness about him. We know that the difference was his faith. Caleb, Caleb had a deep faith in who God is and what God can do. And that faith gave him courage. Not just courage to stand up against the enemies in the land, but courage to stand against his own countrymen when they were in the wrong. You see, a brave faith isn't afraid to stand alone when it means standing in God's will. That's when the tide started to turn after this in the Israelite camp. The majority of the people, they listened, they listened to the ten spies. The whole camp of Israel starts complaining against their leaders, against Moses and against Aaron. And it tells us that they started talking about going back to Egypt, the place where they had been slaves for hundreds of years. They wanted to go back. That's when Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, they fell down in front of the people. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 7. They said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord's pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meetings, all the Israelites. These, these were brave men standing against an angry multitude. This bravery came from a faith that was willing to say, "Yeah, yeah, there are enemies in the land. Yeah, they're large. They're powerful." Their armies are strong, but God is with us. We don't need to be afraid. They're not going to devour us. We're going to devour them. But the people didn't see it that way. Uh, One pastor explained it perfectly. He said this. He said the majority, the majority of the people, they had great giants, but a little God. Caleb had a great God and little giants. That's why the majority of the Israelites, they were living in fear instead of courage. That's why they were ready to back down instead of bravely moving forward. A faith that's brave, that fearlessly move where God's lead, it's a faith that recognizes the greatness of God. So believer, how big is your God? How big is your God? But this is a question. Do you serve the God who created the universe out of nothing? Do you serve the God who in power flooded the whole earth? Who confused the languages at the Tower of Babel? Who parted the Red Sea for his people? Who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to free us from the bondage of sin and hell? Do you follow and serve the God who holds his people in his hands so that we are eternally secure? Is that the God that you serve? Because that's a big God. So why is it that so many of us fail to live... Like, that's who we serve. The Israelites served the same God as Caleb. But they saw their problem as impossible. They saw their enemies as unconquerable. Now, we know know that they're wrong. We look and we say, those Israelites, they were so wrong. But how often in our lives do we come to our own spiritual struggles, our difficulties, our pains, and our sorrows, and we give up? We say these things are impossible. We live in discouragement and defeat instead of turning to the God of all creation. God's bigger than all those things that we face, just like he was bigger than the giants in the land. And you know what? Caleb knew that. Caleb knew that. So he moved forward in this brave and this bold faith. But if you're like me, the question you might be wondering is, you know, how can we have a faith like that? So now let's turn together to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, we'll pick back up where we left off last week. If you're following along with one of those Bibles from here in the sanctuary, you can turn to page 180. Page 180, we're in Joshua 14. As the chapter opens, it begins to focus on the division of the promised land to the tribes, starting with the tribe of Judah. Judah. But first, one man from that tribe came forward. Pick up in verse 6. It says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Listen to Caleb. Listen to this confidence that he had. 45 years had passed, yet he was just as confident now as he was then about God's goodness, God's greatness, God's promises, and his own ability to run out into battle. How is it that after all those years, his faith was so steadfast? I ask that because it seems that a, a lot of us as Christians, we have, we have times of spiritual strength when we're confident in the Lord, but then we go through these long seasons of doubt at times where, where we think our problems are bigger than God. They're bigger than his ability to rescue us. And maybe maybe Caleb went through those moments over the decades, but all that we know is we find him here 45 years later showing the same faith that he did as a young man. What made his faith so different? I think that one of the biggest differences is that Caleb remembered the greatness of God in the past. So it was easy for him to trust the greatness of God in the present. He remembered all the things that God had done. In fact, I'm convinced when I read Numbers 13 and 14, I'm convinced that as a young man, after he spied out the promised land, Caleb was confident they would have victory because he remembered how God powerfully led them out of Egypt. He looked back at that and said, how could God not give us victory in this land? That's an easy thing for him. And now, decades later, here Caleb is. He's still remembering what God has done. How God allowed him to see the promised land. Surely he remembered how God protected him from his angry countrymen. He wanted to stone him. He remembered God's promise that he would get to come back and he would receive an inheritance there. He didn't forget how God sustained him during the years since that time. He didn't forget how God had strengthened him so that in his old age, he was just as strong and capable as the young guys. Caleb knew that all of this was a result of God's goodness to him. He could see how God sustained him, how he carried him, how he brought him through many years of difficulty to this moment. Caleb knew that he served a big God, and he never forgot that. I think our problem sometimes is that we do forget that fact. We forget that we serve a big God, and it's because we forget the great things God has done for us and the things he's done for his people. We forget those things. About four years ago, Casey and I, we were in the car driving for a while together, and we decided we'd make a list together. We just wanted to make a list of all the things we had seen God do at First Baptist Church of Oxford since we came here. I thought that that would take us a few minutes it would be a fun little thing to do. But what started as a simple little exercise turned into over 30 minutes of us going back and forth, reminding each other of events or ministries or changes that we had seen God's hand in here at the church. And we weren't even sharing long stories, just little, little bullet points with each other, things that we had seen. Soon we had this long list we had written down. I couldn't help but share it with people when I got back to church. And I still have that list every once in a while I look at it. And it's become a a source of encouragement to me, the things God has done. But also a challenge to me to be more faithful to remember what he's done. Because I remember on that day we talked about things I had long forgotten. And it was just after a few years. Believers, if we want to live with that type of brave bold, confident faith like Caleb, That we need to remember all that God has done so we would never forget how great our God is. Remembrance needs to be a priority in our lives. I mean, how often do our days actually consist of praising God for what he's done in our lives and for the things that he's done for his people? I mean, when was the last time we praised God for creation? When was the last time we left a study in the book of Joshua and we went home and we praised God for what he did for his people on those days. When was the last time we praised God for his power towards Israel or for his miracles in the early church or for his power in the gospel? I mean, most of us, and I'm including me in that, most of us, we don't think about these things often enough. And if we don't consistently remember the big things that our God has done, then we will think very little of him when tough times come around. That's when our issues start to seem like giants. That's when our battles seem like fights that we can't win. Caleb never thought that. Not with what we see in Scripture. That's because he never forgot how big God is. And as a result, he could confidently step forward to receive what God had promised him. Let's look at that together. Look at verse 12. Caleb is still speaking. He says this. He said, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the the Anakites were there. Their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. I really, really want us to get what Joshua said and what Caleb said. Caleb came up to Joshua and said, this is the promise that God made. And keep in mind, keep in mind, Caleb, he could easily have said, you know, we conquered a big city the other day and that's the one I wanted. That's the one I want for my inheritance. And who could blame him? And who could say no to a champion of faith like this? But That's that's not what Caleb said. No, instead he said, hey, you remember, do you remember, Joshua, that land that really scared everybody 45 years ago? You know, the place with the giants, with the big cities, fortified cities? That's what I want. That's what I'm asking for. And let's understand, Caleb Caleb knew, knew it was a God thing, that he was this strong at 85 years old, the same way that he knew it was going to take a God thing to overthrow the Anakites who were in Hebron. He knew that, but Caleb wasn't worried. No, because God had proven himself time and time again, that he was far bigger than any challenge Caleb was going to encounter. So I'm certain that it didn't surprise Caleb when he was victorious. Because Caleb was focused on God. He was so focused on his God who was bigger than any obstacle or any enemy that he could face. And a faith that's focused on God like that is a faith that can face any difficulty head-on. Do we have a faith like that? Do we have a faith that focuses on God like that? We serve the same God as Caleb, which means that when we face obstacles, difficulties spiritual struggles, temptations, long trials, when we're tempted to give up or get upset or give in, instead we can remember the great things that God has done and put our focus back on Him. We can fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we won't forget how big our God is, we won't forget how capable He is to see us through our situations, and we will not grow weary and lose heart. Because you see, it's easy to grow weary in this life, believers. As we journey through life and all these temptations and trials and tribulations come around. Yet we can walk by faith that's bold, that's confident in the Lord. We can walk by faith like that in a world that is filled with sin and brokenness. And to do that, we need to make it our practice to remember the great things that God has done and to daily fix our eyes on Him. When we do that, we won't waver when tough times come. And tough times will come. But we'll know that we can trust the Lord. Caleb recognized how great his God is. And that led him all the way to the promised land. And as we recognize how great our God is, that will lead us all the way through this life. So we look forward to our heavenly home, believers. So Christians how big is your God? Don't get me wrong, the answer is actually in Scripture, but how big is your God? How big do you believe He really is? The answer to that is going to be seen in how you live, how you're living right now, how you're approaching your situations. The truth is this, we will not be overwhelmed by our struggles in life when we recognize and focus on the greatness of our God. We're not going to be overwhelmed by our great struggles, and there will be great struggles in life. There will be. Jesus told us that there would be. But we're not going to be overwhelmed by our great struggles when we focus on the greatness of our God. Listen to what God said about Caleb. Back on that day in Numbers chapter 14, God said this. He said, My servant Caleb has a different spirit. And follows me wholeheartedly. Don't you want God to say that about you too, believer? I pray that the same would be said of us. As we close, I would encourage all of us here during this final time of invitation, this final song, that we would praise God. Us. And maybe some of us here, we need to ask him to show us just how much greater he is than the situations we're facing right now, because maybe we've lost sight of that. So however it is that you need to respond, believer, I'm going to encourage you to respond during this final time. And if you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please know that we don't follow Jesus Christ for an easy life. We follow Jesus Christ because he's the only one who can give us eternal life. We follow Him because He is the only one great enough to forgive us of all our sins. He's the only one big enough to save us from sin and hell. And please understand that right now, Jesus Christ wants to save you from an eternity separated from Him in hell. You see, the Bible says all of our sins, all those bad things we do, are separating us from God. The just punishment for sin is hell. And we can't make up for sin on our own. So Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to take our place, our penalty, our punishment, our punishment for sin. After he died, Jesus was buried, and three days later, powerfully rose from the dead, proving he is who he said he is. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. He's the only one great enough to forgive us. The only one who can save our soul and give us the eternal life we need. And if you have never given your life to him, please know the Bible says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can do that before you leave today. Let's pray. Friend, if that's you, if you know Jesus isn't your Savior, well, I hope you'd be willing to come and talk to me during this final invitation song. Find me after the service. Find one of the other pastors, one of the deacons. But maybe you're ready right now to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know that you've sinned. You've broken His commands. You know that He hasn't forgiven you, but you're ready for all that to change. If that's true... Please know that you can go to Him right now in prayer. You can admit to Him that you know you're a sinner. But that you you know He died on the cross for you. You believe He rose from the dead. Friend, give Him your life. Ask Him to be your Savior. And I promise you on the authority of God's Word, He'll save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, For those of us who have made that decision, who have become a part of your family. Father, please be with us, because there are are times in this life when the trials seem very long, very difficult. We start to get discouraged. We start to question, are, are you really there like you said you would be? Are you really seeing me through this? We just don't always realize how you're carrying us through things. Father, I pray that in those moments when we start to doubt, you would open our eyes to how great you are, the great things you have done, so that we would trust you in our present situations. I pray that we would be faithful to walk alongside each other as family in Christ, remind each other of these things, encourage one another to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray that as we do focus on you, Father, we'd strive to bring you glory in everything. Leave this place to share the good news of the gospel with someone, to share your greatness with someone. Father, we love you, but you have proved times without number how much more you love us. and We thank you for that.